Wink wide left, Martinez to the right, they score! Carlson! Back and forth with Martinez! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Petrangelo scores! Two markers for Petrangelo! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wallace Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Woo! It's a big day for me. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a big day for me. I don't know if you guys can tell based on how it sounds... But I'm in studio. I'm actually looking at Chris Chapman right now. Beard, full glory, hair grown out. It's a beautiful thing to be in the studio staring at you face to face. Yeah, it, it was kind of cool because we we both got to the building about the same time. And uh, I saw you in the parking lot. I'm like, whoa, who's this guy? And uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I've seen you maybe once or twice yeah. in the last like six months or so. Well, well, since last season. Um, we, we we did sit very close to each other during uh, the playoffs, so that that was kind of fun being able to watch games with you again because it had been a really long time since we had done that. But, uh, yeah, it's good to have you back in studio. It's good to be here. Uh, Darren Millard is on location. We're tracking him down. We hope to have him in the 5 o'clock hour. Now, the 5 o'clock hour is going to be condensed at 5.30. We will hand it off to T.C. Martin with the Las Vegas Aces as they look to advance in their playoff quest. But for right now, we are hoping to get Darren Millard sometime in the five o'clock hour, mainly because we just need his hot take, like nothing really else. That's all we need from him. Just a hot take, just one. That's it. But the rest of the show is going to be pretty fun. We got Jesse Granger coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, He's got a great piece right now on the athletic about which players so far for the golden Knights, their stock has risen or their stock has fallen. And it's a, an interesting look at kind of who's had good camps and where the the real races for some jobs are going to be for the Vegas Golden Knights. We're also going to get some player audio to you, audio from Pete DeBoer after uh, practice today coming off of that game last night where, uh, you know, it's a dress rehearsal. You had close to, I think, what the lineup should be come October 12th next Tuesday against Seattle, but it was a game in which the Golden Knights just didn't have it. Whatever it is, they didn't have it. And you got to give a lot of credit, I think, to the Arizona Coyotes when you really kind of pull that game back and reduce it to its layers. The Coyotes worked really hard. They worked hard in the neutral zone. They worked hard trying to push the pace on the Vegas Golden Knights. They made it a slog, and Vegas just didn't have the answers in that game. Now, it's just a preseason game. I don't think anyone should really overreact to it. And we'll get Jesse's thoughts on that here in a minute. But, you know, I, I think you look at it and you say, okay, the Golden Knights are ready for the regular season. I think if there's one sentiment we're all kind of getting to here, it's that preseason, it's long. And we haven't had preseason in a long time. It's been a while, but it's long, and I think everyone's just ready to go. Yeah, it, it, I guess that's part of becoming an 
NHL city, the the, the shine <laughs> wears off a little bit because I mean, even though a lot of people haven't had the opportunity to see the Golden Knights play in person in a long time, I mean, I, I, unless you were at the playoffs last year, there was extremely limited capacity for almost the entire season where they were allowing fans into the building. So when you sh- when, when when I only went to three of the four games, I didn't go to the first game. Yeah, um, but less than full, I'd say. Was was probably the the attendance. Um, I know what they were announcing. I don't know if there were that many people there, but uh, I think the fan base is kind of done with preseason. I think the attitude of the players is they were kind of done with preseason, and I think the general consensus is Las Vegas, not just the team, but the city, is ready for the Kraken to roll into town on Tuesday. Yeah, and the Kraken's going to be interesting because I, I, I'm still trying to figure out what to make of Seattle, and we've got 82 games to kind of really figure this out by the end of the season, but I am, I'm of the mind that Seattle is going to be pretty good. Are they going to make the playoffs? I don't know, but I don't think they're going to lose a ton of games because they just aren't a good team on the ice. I I look at Seattle in in kind of the same way that I looked at Vegas year one. I think you, you, you kind of see the pieces that are there. You, you look at how Seattle was built from the back end and in goal and you build a team like that, you can stick around in some games. You build a team like that, you can win two to one or three to two. And that's kind of the, the MO, I think, that we should get used to with Seattle. But we have a little bit of time before then. We've got another preseason game to get to. That'll be Saturday, tomorrow, five o'clock, puck drop, four o'clock pregame, right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. And right now we bring in Jesse Granger with the athletic, does a great job covering the Golden Knights. And You know, Jesse, I asked you on the pregame show yesterday before the game. I'm going to ask you now, where are you at with preseason after last night's game? What do you you mean, where am I at? What do you mean, where? What do you mean, what do I mean? Like, are are you done with it? Are you done with preseason? Are you ready to just kind of turn the page on preseason and get yourself right into the regular season? Yes, I am. Uh, I think the Golden Knights at this point have figured out just about everything they need to figure out about all the guys who can play. Um, I will say that if, like Brett Howden, for example, if he was able to play in in tomorrow's game, then suddenly I've got something to watch. I've got something that I, because we haven't gotten to see a lot of him. We haven't really, I don't really know what type of player he can be for this team. But in terms of the guys who are healthy and the guys who are expected to be in the lineup tomorrow, um, I think Pete DeBoer and the front office and management, um, and I guess us, I think we've all learned about as much as we can learn about these players in preseason at this point. So the interesting thing about practice today was the line combinations, right? Like a little bit of a blender. You got Kolasar up with Stevenson and Pacioretty. Uh, you, you got Dadanov with Carlson and Marcia. So you've got Yanmark with Smith and Patrick. Like, do you read into any of that at all? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, I think, I mean, Colasar up on the top line, I think that is simply Mark Stone is getting the day off and they need somebody to go up there and Colasar's had a really good camp. So why not reward a kid, uh, letting him skate with Patrick and Stevenson for the day. So I, I think that's probably explains that. The Donovs moving up to Marshall Stone Carlson, we asked Pete DeBoer, um, about that after practice and it was, it was his, his answer was pretty interesting. He said, something along the lines of this is our last chance to try things out. We don't expect our line combinations to be the same all year. So 
we want to try some things. To me, what that's telling me is if things don't work out uh, the way they hope, if the third line isn't producing, if, say, that misfit line goes on a scoring drought, I think his immediate answer is going to be to switch Dodonov with either Marcheseau or Smith. And I think that'll be – I don't think – I don't expect that to, to start the season, but at some point, if they go through a stretch where they don't score goals, which they will because every team does, I think Pete is looking at ways, little tweaks he can make, and I think Dodonov moving up to that second line with Carlson and Marcheseau, that's what he did today, maybe moving up there with Carlson and Smith. I think that that's what those lines we saw today tells me. Now – when when we were watching the game in Denver and Peyton Krebs got the opportunity to play with Carlson and Smith, that line was able to produce. It was able to create a lot of chances. Uh, and you you were pretty active in, in wanting to see more of that. Do you foresee any possibility that the Golden Knights explore that? Maybe not here in the preseason, but at some point during the regular season if needed. Maybe. But and like part of the reason I was so excited about that is because it's Peyton Krebs and because it allows Evgeny Dodonov to stay on that third line. See, when you move Dodonov up to the second line, now you, suddenly you move Riley Smith down to the third, and he's down there with Yanmark and, and Nolan Patrick, and that line doesn't feel any more dangerous than it did with Dodonov, right? I mean, Smith may be a small upgrade, but it's not like he's going to go down there and change that line. Whereas when... Peyton Krebs replaced Jonathan Marcheseau up there. Now suddenly Jonathan Marcheseau gets bumped down to that third line, and it's Nolan Patrick and Evgeny Dadanov. I mean, that is a massive difference, having Marcheseau and Dadanov on that third line together. So to me, in order for – I wouldn't break up the misfit line unless it's to put Peyton Krebs there, I guess is a simple way to put it. I like Krebs there because it allows Dadanov to stay down the lineup. And then that guy who's getting bumped, whether it's Marcheseau or, or Smith, the guy who's getting bumped down to the third line, he still has a legitimate scoring line in that third line. And like I asked Pete DeBoer today, do you expect the third line to play more minutes this year than they did last year? He said yes. If that's going to be the case, then I think that maybe that guy who's getting bumped down doesn't see it as much of a, a downgrade or, or a punishment or whatever to get moved down if you've still got a legitimate chance to score a lot of goals on that line. You know, it, the thing that I find most interesting about the Golden Knights going into this season is a lot was made in the offseason about the depth, right? We You bring in Dodanov, you bring in Patrick, you bring in Howden. You, you've kind of retooled your bottom six to a, ver- to a very wide degree. And yet now as you go into camp, there's some injuries. You're still trying to kind of piece together the best way to assemble this bottom six. Uh, when, when you go into the regular season for Vegas, is, is there in your mind – for the third line, for the fourth line, identities that those two lines need to fill? And if so, what are they? Yeah, I mean, I think Nick Waugh being hurt, and then we don't know what his status is going to be for opening night or for, for the beginning of the regular season, but he hasn't skated in a while, and, and we're not really sure on him. I think when Nick Waugh is healthy, the fourth line can be a line that's relied upon defensively, and you don't have to shelter him. Um, you, can, you can put him out there for defensive zone draws, which is something the Golden Knights – fourth line has not done for a couple of years. Um, I think when Nick Waugh is suddenly not in the lineup and you're, you're piecing together Patrick Brown and Gage Quinney and, and William Carrier and guys like that, suddenly maybe you're not quite as, as uh, confident in that line's ability to play defensively. So I think health matters. And then in, in terms of the third line, I think they need more scoring out of the third line. The entire reason they brought Dodonov in, they made that trade and took on that big contract is because they want the third line to have more scoring. I think Peyton Krebs 
if he works his way in the lineup, he can do that. Whether he's on that third line or whether he's above it and he's bumping somebody else talented down to that third line. To me, the third line needs to score. And they need minutes to do that. And that's part of the reason I asked Pete today about the minutes that that third line is going to get. Because you can't, no matter how talented they are, even if it's, say, Marcia so Patrick. That's an incredibly talented third line. No matter how good those players are, if they're only getting 11 minutes a night, they're not going to score goals. It's too hard in this league to find your rhythm, to, to be on the ice for enough, to, to create enough chances to score consistently unless you're getting 13, 14, 15 minutes a game. So to me, I would like to see some, some of the minutes taken off of those top two lines. That's what I expect to see. Mm-hmm. Give those minutes to that third line and rely on them to score a little more than they have the last couple of years. And I mean, that's where special teams also factors in, right? Like when it comes to Nolan Patrick, if, if you're getting 12 minutes of, of five on five play and you, you are able to, at the end of the game, piece together, maybe what, another two and a half, three minutes on the power play on a good night, then, then you're kind of making up the, the balance that you'd lose in five on five. Yeah, for sure. And not just power play, but penalty kill. Pete actually mentioned that yeah. today. Uh, Keegan Colasar got some time on the PK last night. He's a guy who hasn't killed in the past. Um, we saw Matias Yanmark on the penalty kill, and Pete mentioned that getting those fourth-line guys, Kolasar, I guess third-line in terms of Yanmark, but Kolasar, Yanmark, Nick Waugh, guys like that, he wants to see them killing penalties. Um, and, and that gets them more minutes. It also lessens the load on guys like Mark Stone and William Carlson, who are obviously top power play guys and top penalty-killing guys. So, so I think that there are definitely ways of getting these guys more minutes. And like you said, special teams is a big way, both on the kill and power play. Jesse Granger with The Athletic joining us here as we go through the Golden Knights training camp thus far. We go through the preseason thus far and kind of where we expect Vegas uh, to be and what they're going to look like come October 12th against the Seattle Kraken. That is Tuesday. Uh, you know, Jesse, I, I find the comment on penalty killing interesting because, you know, you look at Mark Stone and and specifically William Carlson and Riley Smith. And and I think you view Carlson and Smith a little bit differently than Stone because Stone's ceiling offensively is is probably the highest just based on the the amount of plays that he makes. But you have those three guys that are just stalwarts defensively and you rely on them to kill penalties because they're so dang good at it that at what point during the regular season, if, say, your penalty kill isn't where you want it to be, you're not killing at the percentage that you'd like to, uh, do you kind of go away from we need fourth-line guys to be able to kill penalties to we can't keep giving up pe- uh, power play goals, we've got to, to kind of give those minutes back to Stone and back to Carlson and Smith? Yeah, that's going to be the key, right? I mean, it's easy to say right now, hey, we're going to give all these – four-line guys penalty kill minutes, and, and we're going to take the load off of Stone. But like you said, if they're giving up this, – this penalty kill has been elite for a couple of years now, and if suddenly it isn't elite, they're going to go right back to putting Mark Stone and William Carlson and, and Riley Smith onto that penalty kill. Now, I expect those guys to still get penalty minutes, I don't, penalty killing minutes. I don't think this is going to be completely eliminating them from it, but I think he'd like to play them left there. And, and in order to do that, Guys like Keegan Colasar, Nick Waugh, Matthias Yanmark, they have to play well on that penalty kill. And the bar is extremely high, right? They can't just be good because if they're just good, if they're the ninth or tenth best penalty kill in the league, that's a pretty significant downgrade from what they've been over the last couple of years. I do think that you can, you can find other ways, though, right? Like this team has great defenders in terms of killing penalties. 
Alec Martinez is one of the best. Braden McNabb is great down there. Nick Haig is getting better at it. And you've got one of the best penalty-killing goalies in the league. I'm actually I'm writing a big feature on Robert Leonard for opening day, and uh, he's got the number one save percentage on the penalty kill of any goalie in the NHL over the last three years. He's also got the highest goal saved above average on the penalty kill of any goalie in the last three years. So he's going to be a big piece of that. And, and I think with Robin Leonard backstopping, obviously your goalie is your most important penalty killer, and the defenders that they've got in Martinez and Haig and Petrangelo and, and guys like that, I think that this team is going to be able to get away with playing some guys who are learning in that role. You know, on the topic of Robin Leonard, what what did you think of his game last night? Um, I think I thought he was solid. I don't think it was a great game, um, but I, but I thought he made some big saves. I thought he had the, the goals that he let in. None of them were real soft. I thought I thought he had a solid game. But I mean, we we talked before the game and we said like, do you want Leonard to play the final preseason game in mm-hmm. San Jose? And I said it kind of depends on what he thinks and it kind of depends on his performance. I don't think it was solid enough to where you wouldn't play him again. Uh, in San Jose. I think I would play Robin tomorrow um, just to let him get one more solid performance. Um, he's obviously still kind of adjusting. He lost a bunch of weight over the off season. Who knows how confident he is in himself? Like maybe, maybe things have changed and he doesn't feel all that great, but I, I thought he was solid enough um, not to worry, certainly not to worry, but, but I think it would be good for him to get in there tomorrow night and have another good game before the games start counting. Yeah. My philosophy on it is that you, you go right back out there if you're Robin Leonard and, and it's not because he had a bad game by any stretch. I, I just think that any opportunity you have to sharpen the the, the toolbox or sharpen the tools in the toolbox, you, you go out there and you, you and you do it. And he's got another opportunity in a game that doesn't matter in the standings. Just go out there, feel the puck, get yourself really dialed in and ready to go for Tuesday. Yeah, for sure. And he's a guy who relies on timing, right? Like he's not yeah. out there making these acrobatic saves. He relies on timing. He relies on getting to his spot at the right time. And, and so I think this preseason is more valuable for him than maybe other styles of goaltending. So Jesse, uh, you have a piece out right now on the athletic about which golden Knights have seen their stock rise and which ones have seen their stock fall through training camp. Uh, I'm going to let you kind of guide this one in this discussion. Uh, your your biggest surprise in, in terms of the players that their stock has risen and maybe the same question for those who have seen their stock fall. Yeah, I think we've we've talked about him a lot because he's been deserved, but Keegan Colasar has had a phenomenal training camp in preseason. Um, he's a guy who, when he came over from Columbus, when the Golden Knights traded a second-round pick for him, he was thought of as an offensive player. And I think over the last couple of years, him breaking into the AHL and really struggling to produce offensively in the AHL, I think we kind of changed our minds on him a little bit and thought, okay, this is a fourth-line grinder. A lot of people see him because he fights. A lot of people see him as a Reeves replacement. I think this offseason, last season was so good for him getting comfortable in the league. I think he's caught up to the speed. You hear about how the game slows down for young players. I think we're starting to see those offensive instincts that people saw in Keegan Colasar as a major junior player starting to show at the NHL level as he gets more comfortable with the puck on his stick. And I think he really is showing more offense than, than I expected, than a lot of people expected. And I think we've talked about how the lines could be shuffled. I think if at some point, if, if the third or second line isn't playing well and Keegan Colasar is playing well on that fourth line, he's going to get a chance to play higher up in the lineup. So, so he's the guy who's really surprised me. The other guys who rose their stock aren't really all that surprising. Nolan Patrick has come in and he's done what the Golden Knights probably hoped he would, he would look like in camp. He's looked good on the power play. Same thing with Evgeny Dodonov. And then the other one I mentioned is Alex Petrangelo, who 
he didn't need his stock to go up any, but if you were worried that that playoff run wasn't going to continue into this year, I think the preseason has uh, quelled all those worries. He looks spectacular. He looks like he's ready for a Norris contending season. So that's great. In terms of stock down, Matias Yanmark has been just kind of invisible, right? Like I don't, I haven't noticed Matias Yanmark making mistakes. He's not turning the puck over a ton. He's, he's not making egregious errors. He just hasn't, done much offensively he hasn't driven offense he hasn't been a part of and especially because his line has done pretty well considering the Donoff and Patrick are two guys I think have played well and that's who he's played with the most so I I don't I'm not super worried about Matias Yanmark but he hasn't looked great in preseason and then the other one is um I almost didn't include him on this list but I, I did Caden Korzak and I don't want people to overreact and think that this is me saying that this this 20-year-old defenseman is suddenly not an NHL prospect. I think he is absolutely an NHL player moving forward. But coming into this camp, I thought maybe he was going to establish himself as the guy behind Coglin, right? Like the Golden Knights' top seven defenders are pretty set in stone with Coglin being that seventh guy. Mm-hmm. I thought Korzak had a chance to come in, and even at only 20 years old, he could really establish himself as a guy behind them, and I don't think he did. I think he looked a little slow at times, and not not slow in terms of skating, but just slow in terms of processing what was happening and, and moving the puck. And I think guys like Zach Hayes, maybe Peter Delibertore, who got to play last night, I think they may have edged their way in front of Korzak um, if the Golden Knights do have to turn to the AHL if, if they have injuries or whatever throughout the season. So so I would say Korzak, um, he's maybe a little bit de- behind in his development to where we were hoping he would be at this point, but he's so calm with the puck. I do think that a year in the AHL will really help him catch up to the speed, and I think I think he's going to be fine. But he was a guy who, who was a little underwhelming for me in camp. Jesse Granger with The Athletic. You know, Jesse, I, I got to kind of circle back here to Alex Petrangelo because he's been so incredibly good throughout the preseason, and we, we don't overreact to preseason. But it, the, the, the point that I want to make on Petrangelo and the preseason is that He's got an opportunity through these games to work out some of the kinks in the game, and he's got an opportunity to just really settle in and play his game, and he didn't get that last year. He didn't have the benefit of preseason games. He didn't have the benefit of a long camp, and I think that 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 hindered him to start the year last year to get fully comfortable, but now what you're seeing is a fully integrated and incredibly comfortable Alex Petrangelo, and it it's so fun to watch in the offensive zone because he's the defenseman that's looking to make a play below the circles. He's not the type of guy that's going to pinch in and then immediately want to get back to the blue line. He activates so much. It's almost positionless the way he plays in the offensive zone. Yeah, he really, yeah, positionless is the perfect way to describe it. The guy is circling behind the net. He's playing behind the goal line um, (laughs) with reckless abandon. And it's totally worth it because He's so good down there that, and 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 I think what when he does that, when he activates deep into the zone like that, you see it really breaks down the opposing defensive coverage. Like they think that they've got everybody in the right positions, and then suddenly this giant defenseman is flying through the slot down near the goal, and 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 everyone is kind of scrambling, looking for who they should cover. I think it it, it does worlds of good, and and kind of going back to you, you mentioned he in the preseason he didn't have that last year. I think. He was just in a tough spot last year in general in the, in the fact that, okay, like he was the number one defenseman. He was the number one free agent. He was the biggest fish that year. He was the biggest offseason addition anyone made. Um, it kind of reminds me of Dougie Hamilton this year. Mm-hmm. Dougie Hamilton going to New Jersey, 
he can go in there and try to dominate, right? Because this team hasn't been good. The expectation is I'm coming in to carry this team. He's going in there being himself, being the aggressive offensive defenseman that he is. Petrangelo, he was joining a team that's done nothing but win. They just haven't quite gotten over the hump. And it was very, I don't want to be the guy to come in here and mess things up. I'm not going to come in here and be this crazy aggressive defenseman and and mess up what they have going here. I think as the season went on, he realized, no, that's what they need. They want me to be that. He did it in the playoffs. It worked brilliantly. And now I think we're seeing in the preseason, he's really ramping up to be that type of defender in, in the regular season, which is great for the Golden Axe. You know, that Dougie comparison is really interesting. But the, the difference, I think, with Dougie is that he's done it before, right? Like, he's been traded. He This is, this is I, I think, now his third or fourth team that he's been on in the NHL. So there's there's at least a little bit of of understanding what that process is going to be with a new team. Whereas with Alex Petrangelo, it's two teams, it's St. Louis and it's Vegas. And it was brand new that deep into his career. Very, very true. And, and like the guy hadn't been integrated in a team since he was a star, right? Like the last time he had to integrate into a team was when he was a rookie in St. Louis, when he was just a kid breaking into the league, he wasn't established. All right. So Jesse, I'm going to ask you a couple of big big questions here. The The first one's going to surround the Golden Knights and it's going to surround Peyton Krebs. And then from there, we're going to get into some uh, bigger NHL wide things. Um, is Peyton Krebs on the opening night roster Tuesday against Seattle? Oh, man, I wish I knew the answer to that. To me, that's the biggest question Pete DeBoer has to answer. I will guess yes, um, just because we don't know the, the, the injury status for guys, Brett Howden and, and Nick yep. Waugh, and I would guess Carrier is probably going to play. But, I, yeah, I think, I think Peyton Krebs, if I had to guess right now, I think he might squeak onto that opening night roster just because guys aren't available. Okay. Will Alex Ovechkin score more than 40 goals? <laughs> I'll say no. Um, oh, I know on. I'm setting myself up for the about? because this is Ovi, and he's, he's Ovi, and that's what he does. So I'm setting myself up to look that, but I think <laughs> numbers-wise, it's probably – more likely he doesn't score 40 goals, so I'm going to go with that. But I hope I'm wrong. I hope he scores 50. Chapman, what was one of your hot takes? I, I can't remember your hot takes specifically. What was one of your hot takes? Well, my my one was that neither the United States or Canada would win the gold medal. Eh, in the no, Olympics. not that one. The other one. The Varla- one that had- Varlamov was going to win the Vesna. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Chris Chapman feels that uh, this year in the NHL, uh, Semyon Varlamov is going to win the Vesna trophy. What do you say to that hot take? Um, is he even going to be the number one goalie he's, on his he's team? He's not. No, he's not. Isn't Ilya Sorokin the goal, the top goalie in New York? Um, it, I'm very confused how the number two goalie on the team is going to win the Vezina. So Sorokin is likely going to be the guy that ends up with more starts. It's, I think, going to be a strict platoon. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 41-41 if they're all healthy. Um, but that's exactly what I said. Like, Sorokin, Chapman, Sorokin. Go with Ilya Sorokin. No, you're going it probably over. will be a platoon. That's what they've done for years. Exactly. Um, hot take or not, Marc-Andre Fleury will end the season with a three-plus goals against average. Uh, that's. I mean, it could be likely. It's, we're going to have to see what Seth Jones does to this Blackhawks defense. They have been absolutely horrific for the last couple seasons. Uh, maybe Jonathan Taves, he's a defensive presence as a forward. Maybe, maybe he and, and Seth Jones can turn things around there. Maybe they 
won't take as many chances. I know we heard last year a lot about – we heard a lot, especially when the Golden Knights played Chicago uh, two years ago in the bubble, that they were kind of giving up chances in order to get chances, right? Like, let's play this run-and-gun style. Maybe with Flurry back there and Seth Jones being added and Jonathan Taves back, maybe they decide let's not play that run-and-gun. Let's try to be a little more defensively responsible. If that happens, he probably won't. But if, if they play defense the way they've played it the last couple of years – um, I don't think Dominic Kasha could, could keep the puck out of the net uh, more than three times a game. Here's an interesting hot take, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. This was uh, Darren Millard. It, Connor McDavid will win the scoring title. I think that everyone's kind of in that ballpark, right? But Darren feels that Connor will have more assists than the player that finishes second in the scoring race has points. Wow. That's, he's going to Wayne Gretzky the league, huh? I, yes. that, I mean, that's definitely, if you're going for bold, you can't really go bold. It's hard to go bold with Connor McDavid, right? Because any prediction you make, everyone's going to say, well, of course he is. He's Connor McDavid. So he found a way to go bold with the Connor McDavid prediction. So I'll give him that. that he deserves props just for that. Um, I don't think that that will happen because that would be insane, but it'd be fun to watch. What is the greatest rivalry in the game right now? The greatest rivalry in the game right now? Mm-hmm. Man, I, who, what's your answer for that? I, let, me, let me hear yours and then I, while I think of one. Florida-Tampa. Florida-Tampa is phenomenal. You got guys brawling in the preseason. It's a throwback. They absolutely hate each other from playing in the playoffs. I think they're on a crash course to do it again this year. They do not like each other. It's beautiful to watch. For me right now in this moment, it's Florida-Tampa. I like that. I like that not only because I think it's true, but also just the fact that Florida is like part of a storyline that we're looking forward to. That's, that's exciting. Um, I mean, I, I like your answer. I'll go Vegas-Colorado. They're not going to play as often mm-hmm. as, as Florida-Tampa, but um, we saw that series last year. It was incredible. Um, I feel like we're destined for another one. All right, last one here. Jesse, when, when you're at media availability in the morning, uh, do you have a notepad that you take <laughs> notes on? No, I do not. Uh, I, I have been part of this conversation with Aaron and Chris yeah. uh, for the last couple of days. I, so my um, way of operating, I guess, as a journalist, I have not had a, a notepad. I guess I kind of got into this industry when notepads were being phased out. I have the notes app on my iPhone that I yeah. will use to yeah. type notes, line and stuff like that. So I guess it's kind of similar, but for the most part, I really don't write much while I'm doing the interviews. I just record the audio and, and talk and, and ask the questions and all that. And then I get home and I like to type it out and write my notes and stuff that way. So, so I go, I go about it a different way. Uh, but Chris is now using his notepad, right, Chris? That is correct. He he jumped out of his chair when you said his name. Well, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't expecting my name to be called, so I was like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." It's the same thing that when you were in the media uh, uh, media availability room when you weren't expecting uh, Darren to ask you if you were writing notes in your notepad that you carried around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I, I I didn't bring it in there to to like look like I was actually doing something. I just legitimately forgot that I had it with me when I put it down on the seat next to me. Beautiful, never changed, Chapman. Never change. Hey, Jesse, thanks for doing this. Thanks for jumping on, filling a little bit of time, getting us through, uh, you know, the, the the end of training camp, where I think, again, a lot of people are, are really looking forward to getting 
a first look at Seattle on Tuesday, the home opener for the Golden Knights. Um, we'll have to have you on, of course, as, as the season progresses. But again, buddy, thanks for doing this. I'm so pumped for Tuesday. I've never been more pumped for a season opener than Tuesday. It's the expansion bowl. I can't wait. All right. Fantastic work. As always, that is Jesse Granger with The Athletic. Thank you to Jesse. The Expansion Bowl, the Expansion Cup. I don't know. Like that's We can kind of come up with a really cool name for it. I'm not sure yeah, where we're going to well, go. I, I like what Ben Goats came up with when you uh, had him on, on, was it Tuesday? Something like that, yeah. Clash of the Titans. Clash of the Titans. I like it, yeah. And, and especially because I'm a fan of that old school movie, Clash of the Titans. Of course you are. Which was like claymation, basically. It was so bad <laughs> that like... You, and then they remade it, and somehow they remade it, and it was actually worse. Like, how do you take a terrible movie that's kind of like a cult classic and somehow make it worse? Hmm. It happens. Yeah, it shouldn't. <laughs> well, it does. If you want to go to that game, be listening today we will give away a pair of tickets to vegas seattle tuesday sometime during the show when we come back we've got player audio from practice today this is vegas golden knights insider show on fox sports las vegas we're back to the vegas golden knights insider show on fox sports las vegas 98.9 fm and 1340 a.m going to vibe on this for a minute. BGK Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas, Friday afternoon. Again, we will step aside at 5.30, Las Vegas Aces. Big game for them. That'll be broadcast right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas at 5.30. Right now, we're going to get into a little bit of audio from practice today. So, you got to talk to Jonathan Marchessault, Pete DeBoer, Caden Korzak. And, you know, Chapman, being in the room, before we get into some of these these cuts here, like, what's your sense of where the team is right now? Uh, not so much in, in terms of the preseason, not so much in terms of just getting ready to go, but, like, when it comes to pressure this year, right? Because for Vegas, it's not really about the regular season. Yeah. It's about what this team does in the playoffs. It's about how far they go and ultimately if they win at all. Um, do you sense a different mindset going into the season with that pressure? You know, it's it's interesting because everyone obviously handles pressure differently. And I think this team has a lot of pressure on it, right? When you have yeah. sky-high expectations, look, they should they should absolutely run away with the Pacific. That's a, that's a lot of pressure, and those are high expectations, especially considering there's a couple of unknown factors in the, the, the division. Yeah, I think on paper a lot of people would probably agree that it's the worst division of the four in the NHL, and that's probably a pretty accurate statement. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. Just because the Golden Knights are by far and away the best team on paper, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy for them to just blow through the regular season. I feel that... There's a commitment level with this team that I don't feel like we've seen before. And I think it started back before training camp with a lot of guys getting into town really early. Everyone talked about it. Look, we have unfinished business. We all got here two, three weeks before training camp started to just start skating together and working. There's some new systems that are being implemented. And 
William Carlson and I and, and I can't remember who else it was talked about it a little bit last night mm-hmm. in the post game. But I think if there's one guy who who doesn't really feel that pressure, who kind of likes the pressure and likes to put it all on him and carry and carry the team, it's Jonathan Marsh so. And, and he was really intriguing today because he said a lot of really interesting things. And, and we'll, I know we'll get to it, but yeah, I I definitely feel a different sense. The the, the Pete is very jovial. Mm-hmm. He, he's funny. He, yeah. he he he's cracking jokes in in the the, the pressers. But I feel like with the players, that that joking mood, that that sense of humor has kind of gone out the window. It's like we're here for business and we're serious about this. And mm-hmm. and I think it starts with with the captain Mark Stone because you watch Mark Stone on the ice, he is all business. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and and I think a lot of that pressure has to do with the fact that this is on paper the best team the Golden Knights have assembled, and you know Jonathan Marchessault spoke to just that. I think since the the beginning, uh, but I think every year it felt that way. I think it's the best. Always we always got better as a team. I feel uh, an organization and. Uh, yeah, we have high expectations. Like we're in one of the top teams in the league, and teams are going to be ready for us. And uh, doesn't matter what you, who you're facing. We got to worry about what the Golden Knights can bring every night. Every night. And uh, yesterday, I think was a good little bit of wake up call. Like uh, I know it's exhibition game, but uh, they look at our lineup. We look at their lineup. We took them lightly, and they were better than us. They they hard outwork us, and I think. That's the worst thing in that game is, as a team, we cannot get out, out work. We're, we have a reputation that we work every night, and we didn't do it yesterday. I absolutely love the fact that he starts off talking about how this team is the best team it's been on paper, and that every year you feel like you're getting better, and you're getting better, and you're getting better. And then in exhibition, preseason, there's a wake-up call that you've got to put the work in every single day. And I think that speaks to what you were just talking about, Chris. Uh, jovial, joking, it's not really there right now because there's a mission, there's a goal for this team, and it's pretty simple what that is. Yeah, the, the only goal that this team has is to raise Lord Stanley's Cup yep. in June. Everything between now and then is only going to go into what that mission and that goal is. And you know, it, it, it's it's obviously very different for the players because this is the first time that they've had a full training camp under Pete DeBoer. Mm-hmm. It's very different for Pete DeBoer because this is the first time he's had this particular group of players with the the, the full training camp. Yep, there's been some big changes on the ice amongst players. Uh, some some fan favorites being traded away, and some maybe potentially new fan favorites being brought in. I get the sense that with a guy like Nolan Patrick too, he's all business. Mm-hmm. And I ha- I I'd be lying if I said I watched a lot of his games with the Flyers. Really the only time I got to see Nolan Patrick play was when he came here to T-Mobile and played and when I'd watched the Devils and he was playing against the Devils. He seems like a different player based on what I've saw of him previous. Mm-hmm. He seems like he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Got a, he's got a bite. He's got yeah, an edge to his game. Yeah, and, and it's almost it it may not be a fair comparison because I don't think he's gonna score twenty nine goals, but he kind of reminds me a little bit of Eric Halla. I, I think there's more bite there. 
I, I think there's certainly more desire and willingness to go into those dirty areas to score and, and go into the hard ice. But yeah, I mean, I think when, when you look at Patrick so far through preseason, getting better every single game, uh, you start to notice some of that physical edge and, and the ability to use his body to his advantage. Yeah, so, he's a lot bigger than I, than I thought he yeah, was. For sure. Now, with goals comes pressure, right? And and Jonathan Marchessault spoke to the pressure that you feel and the pressure that he feels when it comes to a- achieving that goal. I think I like it. I think uh, I like to put, it, uh, to put myself more pressure to... I think it's what you need to do as a human. You want to be a better person every day. It's the same thing with hockey. You want to be a, be a better person, a better hockey player every day. Like, I don't get, like, you see the best in the world. They're still trying to get better. They're still working on stuff. So I don't, I, I, I don't think you should never be satisfied with what you accomplish. You should want more. And uh, I think that's the mentality we need to have. It's the perfect mentality to have. And and for the Golden Knights, for every player on this team, and we, we kind of heard it with Riley Smith in, in talking about it being a contract year and every year is a contract year in Vegas, uh, you have to perform here. The, the goal is the same, to win the Stanley Cup. The Golden Knights have not gotten that done yet. And this is a team that returns a lot of players that, you know, have have those aspirations. And when you are focused on one thing, it becomes very pressure filled because for the Golden Knights, you you said it right, Chris. Like this team is expected to run away with the Pacific Division, and if it if they don't run away with the Pacific Division or they don't get that separation early, then all of a sudden there's a lot of conversations happening. Despite the fact that this team is allowed to kind of get into the swing of things when the regular season starts. Yeah, and it's funny because Pete DeBoer yesterday had had mentioned something along those lines, like, "Hey, you're not going to basically saying." We want to get points in October, yeah, but we're not going to overvalue those points we got in October because while we like them and you can't take them away, you don't win the Stanley Cup in October. Yeah, it, that's that's a very valid point, and it's an interesting one that Pete DeBoer brings up. Now, Pete DeBoer was asked about Jonathan Marchessault and just kind of the impact that he has, not just on this team, but but the way that he's come up in the NHL and and how he continues to be one of those players that leads by example. Marshy's, you know, in that group of guys like Marty St. Louis and some of those guys that came into the league uh, as unheralded or un- undrafted, uh, had to work for everything they got, had to, you know, it was a big man's game when they entered the league and they had to fight to uh, make themselves relevant. And uh, you got a lot of time for a guy who's taken that type of path. Nothing's been handed to him. Um, you know, and that's the way he plays. He plays with a chip on his shoulder, like he's out to prove, you know, that uh, the people that uh, told him he couldn't do it uh, were wrong. And, and he's done that every year of his career. No, he's in there. He's in there. You know, he's biting that kneecap sometimes, but he's in there. <laughs> that was that was what the second zinger from Pete DeBoer today. Yeah, and that was a. I, I ended out the follow up because you really can't hear it. But Willie Ramirez asked Pete about Marcia so being a guy who's not afraid to to get in the scrums. Like you see him, you know, giving giving guys a face wash, and and he's really not intimidated by anybody. I mean, yeah. we saw that he he dropped the gloves with Logan Couture last year. So mm-hmm. uh, he he's a guy who's never been afraid to get in there and mix it up and Pete with the with the joke and uh, pretty good one at that. So 
let's give away some tickets right now. We're going to give away a pair of tickets to see Vegas, Seattle. It's the home opener for the Vegas Golden Knights Tuesday, October 12th. A pair of tickets. Let's go with caller number 32. 32. 32nd franchise, Seattle Kraken. It only makes sense. Caller number 32, you are going to Vegas, Seattle on Tuesday. 702-876-1340 is the number. We're back with more on the VGK Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Got a vibe on this one too. Chapman really hitting it out of the park with the music selection here on a Friday. Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Congratulations to Andrew for winning the tickets. He will be in T-Mobile Arena on Tuesday, Vegas, Seattle. Uh, how excited are you that it's Vegas, Seattle? Like, there are there are no shortage of intriguing teams for the Golden Knights to open their season against, but, like, Seattle is just fun. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the coolest things, and I think the NHL got it right. You know, like, the first game the Golden Knights ever played was against... The Dallas Stars. In Dallas. In Dallas, yep. which, I mean, you have to start somewhere, but I don't think it really, like, got people's attention, like, outside of like, Vegas. It did when Vegas won. Well, yeah, yeah, but, like, it's it wasn't the kind of thing where you're like, hey, Dallas, let's, there's, there's so much intrigue. So what would have been a better first game for Vegas? I think Los Angeles or, yeah. or maybe Arizona, which was the first home game, but... I think L.A., maybe Anaheim, a division rival, a, a, a close team in proximity. I mean, L.A. would have been great because they ended up meeting in the playoffs that, that first year. And, well, that's the last time the Kings have hey, now, been in the playoffs. We could have gotten more Drew Doughty quotes. It would have been oh, fantastic. Do you think he would have said, I dominated the game when they, even after they lost? They dominated the game. That's all Drew knows. And and again, like I, I love Drew Doughty. I think that his his ability to just throw words out there into the ether and not really care too much is fantastic. Uh, but I, that's an interesting question because the Golden Knights start on the road. The Seattle Kraken start on the road. Yeah. A couple of different ways to look at that. One, it's an expansion team. They paid a lot of money. Let them start at home. But you get to go on the road, work out some things, and yeah. come back after you've got a couple of games, I think that the other thing is there's no pressure on you to, yeah, to I yeah. mean, if, if you're Seattle, you're looking at that game against Vegas and you're like, you know what? We're not, no, nobody's going to give us a chance to win that game. Vegas. We we've, they've already been anointed as the Kings of the Pacific division. So there's no pressure on, on the Kraken on Tuesday night, because while I think their fans are going to want to see a win and, and their fans are going to want to see them duplicate what Vegas did. The reality is they're not supposed to win. They're not supposed to come in here on Tuesday and win that game. And I, I, I think that's probably a, a good way. Mm-hmm. I'd I, I feel no pressure if I was Seattle. And, and I think maybe that would help me play better. Is Are we going to get gold versus Seattle's white, jer- white jerseys? Because I, I want to see that jersey matchup really bad. Ah, You know, I, I wish the Kraken were wearing their road jersey or the, the home jersey, which... When yeah. I was younger, was the road jersey. I know, but right? It's all I, I wish now. the league would go back to the to the darker sweaters being the the, the ones that they wore on the road. I agree. Because quite honestly, there's some teams that come into T-Mobile with their white jerseys, mm-hmm. and you're like, really? 
That's the best you could do, New York Islanders. Well, their jerseys are boring. Yeah, I mean, and somebody doesn't want to change them. I, I mean, I don't understand that. If I were, if I were going to go out on a limb here with the Islanders and say they should never change their jerseys, I say go back to the Gorton Fishermen and never change those. No, see, and that's Gorgeous. that's that's Gorgeous. the thing. That that's like the Clash of the Titans because somehow <laughs> they took something that was really bad and they somehow made it worse. Gorton's oh. Fishermen. I mean, no, it was good. I, I, I understand. Like, the thing is, I think unless you're from that part of the world, mm-hmm. you probably don't quite get Islanders as as a nickname for that team because you probably don't. Maybe you you, you, you know they play on Long Island. Maybe mm-hmm. you don't. Maybe you think they play in New York City, but they actually play on Long Island, which is kind of fun that they're the Islanders, but they could have done so much better with, with their logo and, and, and that. It's the Gorton Fisherman way for me hour number two coming up next we've got our hot takes and an update on alex ovechkin am i the ultimate jinx it's possible it's possible that's the case all that coming up next on the vegas golden knights insider show fox sports las vegas